This is the Converge Podcast. We meet at 10.30 every Sunday morning at Heritage Baptist Church in the chapel. This is a group that is geared towards those who are young adults who want to follow Jesus and live the gospel life wherever the journey takes them. this morning a $15 Cava gift card, a Chick-fil-A gift card, and a Chipotle gift card. So if you get a chance sometime over the next five minutes, please go ahead and fill out that survey. Thank you guys.
Good morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning. I've got a few announcements for you today. Did anybody uh, not get a chance to fill out the survey yet that would if I give you another minute to do so? Okay. Okay, great. Can we put the QR code back up? Yeah, thank you. So I'll leave that up, but I'll just say, uh, welcome to Converge. So good to see you all today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, an announcement that I say every week, so I apologize if you've heard this from me 8,000 times, but I say it because I think it's helpful to get everybody on the same page and to be able to be involved. Uh, you can text at HBConverge to 81010 to get text message reminders from us throughout the week about things that are going on. Generally, what we use those for are these small groups. So we have small groups that meet on Tuesday night at 7. We've got a small group that meets at 6.30 a.m. On, on Thursday morning. And then we have a small group that meets Thursday night at 7. And then also there's a group that gets together at 6.30 on Thursday nights, usually at the Shanton Home to Pray. But uh, we've got a special announcement from them this week. So I'm going to give the mic to Sarah. Um, so, guys, at my parents' house, they're in the back, wave parents, woo! Every Thursday we have prayer night, and the focus is prayer for the lost. So it's just a time for body of believers to get together and spend some time in prayer for people that we love and know that don't know the Lord, or people that we don't know that don't know the Lord. Um, people groups, communities, workplaces. Um, but this Thursday, Ramadan is going on right now. Um, we are in the month of Ramadan. And I, we have a global worker or a missionary that was working in the Middle East who is coming to our house on Thursday to present a little bit about uh, Islam and the Muslim world. And she's giving a presentation. And then we're going to spend some time in prayer uh, during this time of Ramadan that's going on and just during this month that um, we can really turn our hearts towards the people around us or not around us. So that's this Thursday, 630. We'd love to have you all there. Um, and we have a little announcement that we can send out or post on the um, whatever they call it. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I usually just say the text messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with that. That's been such a, all of the small groups have just been such an, an opportunity to dig in a little bit more to a specific topic in a smaller group. We love having this giant room often very full of people, uh, but really you get more opportunity for conversation when we break it up and get together in smaller groups like that. Um, one thing I wanted to mention one last time uh, before the deadline is the Align Women's event. That's gonna be April 2nd at 6.30. So if you wanna register for that, I believe registration closes tomorrow. So if you're interested in doing that, don't wait to register. Make sure and check that out. And if you don't get a chance to scan this QR code, but you're interested in going, you can go to hbclynchburg.com slash women. Um, I also wanted to mention, as you may have guessed from the survey this morning, uh, we are still encouraging people to participate in the Together Through the Bible reading plan with uh, Heritage Baptist Church kind of as a whole. And this is broken up into quarters. So we're coming up on the second quarter. So it's a great new opportunity to get involved. If you haven't been doing this so far, but you're interested in jumping in, this is kind of a natural onboarding starting place. If you're terrified of the, 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 the first five books of the Bible and you want to jump in where it gets to more narrative, that's kind of where we're at now as uh, things have recently moved from Deuteronomy to Joshua. So I'd encourage you to check that out if you get a chance. And then we've got another announcement this morning from Megan. Hello. Yes, I am Megan. If you don't know me or know me, yes, I'm Megan. Um, I'm a senior at Liberty University. I'm about to graduate with my bachelor's in event planning. And for one of my classes, we are hosting um, an event 
to raise money for Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center. And Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center is a nonprofit organization right here in Lynchburg. And they provide um, accurate information, free services, and they support women who, who are facing unexpected, unexpected pregnancies. Um, they exist to save lives and comfort those families and women who are facing those unplanned pregnancies. And while doing so with the counseling and the ultrasounds, they are sharing the gospel. Um, so my group is hosting an 80s night bingo. So you guys can uh, pull out your phones and get your calendars because it's gonna be this Friday at 6 p.m. right here in this room. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to raise money for this amazing organization um, that places value on life. Um, so yeah, you can go ahead and scan that QR code right underneath tickets and that goes straight to my Venmo so we can have all the money all in one place so at the end of the night we can just send a check to Blue Ridge. Um, if you don't have Venmo, that's okay because you can pay at the door um, with cash or PayPal or Cash App. So either way, we can, we can get your ticket. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have pizza, candy, snacks, and all kinds of stuff, and it'll be just like stepping into the 80s. So we're really excited. Um, so yeah, dress up. Um, I can't wait to see you guys. Does registration for this close before the event, or if they decide that they're coming on Tuesday, can they still sign up? Awesome, okay. Well, if you missed this QR code, if this is something you're interested in, but you need to check your calendar, we'll make sure that this is on the announcements that we send out on the text messages on Tuesday as well. Okay, that's all I really have for announcements, but we do have gift cards to give out. Uh, Seth, could you go ahead and switch it to my screen? So for the people that filled out the survey this morning, Okay, here we go. So for starters, this is a $15 CAVA gift card, and it will be going to the suspense. Congratulations on your CAVA gift card. Okay, we have a $15 Chick-fil-A gift card next. And this will be going to, let's see, where are we going? Kamari, $15 Chick-fil-A gift card. Okay, we've got one more. This one is the $15 Chipotle gift card. And this will be going to... Okay, where's Elise? Awesome, wow, that's a lucky table. Okay, thank you so much everybody for participating in the survey. Like I said, I think this will help us plan out our messages. We just wanna make sure that we're kind of on the same page with where you guys are as we plan out this semester and what we're gonna teach through. Okay, so that's all I have for announcements, but one other thing that I wanted to bring to your attention Sarah mentioned earlier, it is Ramadan. So this is a great opportunity to be intentionally praying for Muslim people across the world, for Muslim people that you know, for people that are far from Christ. Um, the way that this ends up working every year is Ramadan, which is a time of focus for Muslim people on their own faith and spirituality, often causes them to examine their own faith and often causes them, well, still, still not often, but more often than not during Ramadan, uh, causes many people 
to seek Christ and to end up finding Christ. And um, throughout the Muslim community as a whole, something that often, well, again, I, I shouldn't say often, but something that happens in that people group more than in almost any other, they get dreams about Jesus. They see these dreams of a, a man in white, and then uh, that will eventually lead many of those people to follow Jesus. So um, a great resource for this time, a great res resource all the time, but they really do a good job of putting it together uh, daily prayer through Ramadan. It's prayer cast. So I just wanted to share with you guys the prayer cast video of today, and then let's pray for uh, this people group for a few minutes around your table. Bingo backdrop for this whole time. No? My name is Yana, and I am from the Sunda people group in Indonesia. I used to be a Muslim, but today I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Please join me in praying for the Sunda to come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Father, we thank you for the Sunda people of West Java and Banten, Indonesia, whom you have created and loved. Since ancient times, before Islam took root in Indonesia, you already laid plans for their salvation and gave them prophecies of a righteous ruler, a shepherd, who will one day come to usher in a new glorious kingdom era. During Dutch colonization, your word bore fruit in the lives of some Sunda families. Although their colonization left seeds of resentment, you are now calling the descendants of those believers to reach out with your truth up on cultural performing arts stages and on TV programs. Other followers you have hidden deep so they can demonstrate you love and build bridges of truth from what the Muslims know of you. We thank you that dozens of Sunda Muslims have come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, we ask you for more. Lead your children by your spirit to love genuinely and speak your truth boldly, even in the face of persecution. Send out both locals and foreigners to sow your seed and then by your spirit cause to grow. Continue to bless the TV and radio broadcasts Bless the reading of your scriptures on these programs. Cause more and more Sunda to tune in and watch these programs and cause them to understand and believe. As they browse the internet, lead them to the Sunda programming and order clear presentation of the gospel. We ask you to also raise up men and women to seek your truth and bring others in their families and communities to seek you together and become believers together. Let these families and communities then grow into movements of new believers. We thank you, Lord, that so many have had dreams and vision of you, and we ask you to give even more dreams and visions so that many will come to know you and have courage to tell others about you. We thank you for how many Sunda have become believers by first hearing your word through worship songs. Give us new songs, O Lord, in the Sunda language and use these to then inspire faith in those who hear. Let them then sing along with praise in their hearts to you. We pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Take the next five minutes or so to pray around your table with each other for these people. 
and then I'll close us in prayer in a few minutes. Thanks, everybody. Oh, dear God, 
we are overwhelmed by the need for the gospel around this world, but you are not. Thank you, Lord, that you know every single one, at least 38 million people, that without any kind of intervention could live and die without ever hearing your name. You know them, you love them, you created them. God, I just pray that you would raise up workers to go to the Sunda people. Lord, I pray that you would start churches among these people, that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on these people that would cause them to recognize you as God and as Lord. God, thank you that you are worthy of worship and worthy of praise, even though it's such a big ask to see someone stripped of their culture and identity and family for the sake of following you that you have promised that there is no one who gives up houses or countries or mothers or fathers or, uh, or any part of their life that will not receive a thousand times more. Thank you for the amazing truth of your promises. Thank you for your love. And thank you that no people is beyond your reach or beyond your grasp. Lord, I pray that the gospel would go out to these people in a powerful way. And that you would help all of us in this room to examine our hearts and examine what our role in bringing the gospel to the nations and to the people around us could be. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a young girl named Mary, and the angel Gabriel appeared to her. The angel said, greetings, O favor one. The Lord is with you. And Mary was kind of freaked out by that, and they're trying to make sense of an angel appearing to her. It was kind of a lot all at once. And the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. And Jesus, what a name. And that's the name that we gather around here t- today. Uh, but this is the first time in history that, that the name of the Messiah was spoken, and it carried a lot of history amongst that name, because Jesus is, um, the name Jesus is derived from the Greek form um, of the name uh, Jesus, Jesus, sorry, Greek was a long time ago, and um, which comes from the Hebrew and Arabic name Yeshua, or Joshua, and Joshua means salvation, on hearing that, you might wonder if there's any significance between the name Jesus and Joshua, if there's a reason why Jesus has that name, or if there's not enough names to go around in the Bible, and they just had to have the same name or whatnot. Um, but I would love to dive into the book today and talk about um, uh, Joshua. As we are exiting the Pentateuch, um, give yourself a round of applause. We're exiting the Pentateuch, and we are, how does this thing work, Seth? We are entering... The, uh, it, is, it is on, absolutely on. All right, sweet. Yeah, really climactic. Joshua. We are in Joshua. Thanks, guys. How many of y'all like history here this morning? Here we go. I know the forest like history for sure. They love Ronald Reagan. Um... <laughs> Um, yes, so we are entering the history books, and these books within this genre are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And today, I have the task of covering all of Joshua, and I'm not sure how many of y'all are reading through the Bible and have been reading through it. We just, I think we hit, um, chapter 15 today, I believe so, Uh, but there's 24 books in Joshua, um, and we have a large task ahead of us. Uh, So let's jump in. 
I think a great place for us to start with Joshua is the name Joshua. We talked about the name, the person of Joshua, and kind of give some context to who he is, and then we'll explore more about how uh, Jesus or how Joshua is a shadow of Jesus to come and how Jesus is the better Joshua. And then we're going to see, we're going to trace one, sorry, before we get to Jesus, we're going to go through all the whole book and kind of hit the context of it all. Then we're going to go to see how Jesus is the better Joshua. And then we're going to trace one major theological theme throughout the whole book and how that, and what that means for us today. Sound good? Yeah? All right. I don't know what I would have done if you said no, but. Uh, so Joshua and the Pentateuch, the first four books of the Bible, five books, sorry, uh, of the Bible, Joshua is mentioned 27 times in the Pentateuch. He's first introduced in Exodus 17. You know the, the battle where Moses is up on the mountain, and as long as he has his arms raised, like the children of Israel are winning. They're beating the Malachites. And when he lets his arms down, they're losing. So he has two guys hold his arms up. But Joshua is passed for that battle. He was the general of that battle. So we see that Joshua is a warrior. That's his background. He leads the Lord's armies. Pretty cool. And then we see that Joshua is set apart. When Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, Joshua is like halfway up the mountain with him. He goes the first part of the way, and then when Moses, it's just Moses and God, he leaves uh, Joshua behind. But he's set apart. He wasn't a part of the golden calf craziness that went on down at the mountain and the sin that the children of Israel were a part of. So he wasn't a part of that. And then we also see that he set apart. He had a designated place uh, in the tent of meeting. When Moses would go into the tent of meeting, Joshua is like right there, right behind him. I wonder if he could like overhear what they were talking about and stuff. But pretty cool. Like he was Moses' assistant. He like definitely was discipled, if that was even a word back then, under mentored under Moses. He was also set apart, him and Caleb, as the, the 12 spies went into the promised land. They came back, and Joshua, he had faith in the Lord, and he saw the same giants. He saw all the same obstacles, but he had faith in the Lord that the Lord would bring them into the promised land with uh, victorious. And he set apart him and Caleb from their generation because all the rest of their friends, the people their age, died in the wilderness over the 40 years. So he is set apart as a leader of the children of Israel. So he's not just this random guy that they vote upon uh, in November to, like, become the president or anything like that. He was chosen by God, and he is a trusted leader uh, with a history of faithfulness to Yahweh. And we see in Deuteronomy 31, 23, that says, And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them. I will be with you. So he has, a, he has uh, the presence of the Lord among him, or on him. And Numbers 27, 18 through 23 uh, says that the Spirit was upon him as well. So Joshua trusts the leader with this huge task ahead of him that Moses wasn't able to do. Moses was hoping to bring the people into the land, uh, but he hit, he hit the rock twice and uh, he died on Mount Nebo, and the mantle is given to Joshua. So here we are in Joshua. Uh, and I would love to just do a flyby over the whole book. I know this is going to be a lot, but just a flyby over the whole book. Uh, and Dr. J. Vernon McGee from Dallas has a great outline that I would like to use. Prayer presenter did not format my PowerPoints as great when I transferred them, so uh, deal with them, but this is okay. Um, so chapter one, chapters one through 12, they are entering the land and the commission and command of Joshua is in chapter one, where we see the Lord tell him to be strong and courageous. Joshua takes command and everyone uh, says that they will follow everything that Joshua says. The Lord says to Joshua. And then chapter two, two, we see two spies. They learn this time. They only sent two to go into Jericho and they interact with Rahab. And Rahab uh, saves them. Rahab keeps them from the authorities. 
and they promise to save Rahab when they come uh, take over Jericho. Chapter 3, we see the crossing of the Jordan River, and we see the Lord um, stop the river and make dry ground, and they cross over safely a miraculous work of the Lord, just like the Red Sea uh, crossing that they did with Moses. And then we see chapter 4, the construction of two memorials as they remember what the Lord had done. Chapter 5, we see the condition, their condition for the conquest. They circumcised themselves. They set themselves apart as holy. They observed the first Passover in Canaan. They remember what the Lord did in, uh, in Exodus uh, in Exodus and Egypt as they passed over and delivered them uh, from uh, the Egyptian. And then just so, Joshua receives instruction with the commander of the Lord's army. He has that interaction. And I would love to come back to that later on as we, t- as we trace one theological theme throughout the whole book. And then we see Joshua 6 through 8, uh, the center of the land attacks. So they, they take over Jericho in chapter 6. And then chapter 7 and 8, they conquest Ai. Um, they fail at first because of the sin of Achan. And then in chapter 8, they are successful. Uh, then uh, chapters 9 and 10, the campaign in the south. So they have that compact with uh, the Gibeonites in chapters uh, 9, chapter 9, where they come from, they act like they're from a land far away. They have rugged shoes and everything and old wineskins, but they're actually amongst the land. But they ask to make a pact with them, and uh, Joshua does. Uh, They're fooled, but they keep their pact, and they, um, in chapters 10, they defend the Gibeonites, and they conquer the five kings of the Amorites with the miracle of the sun standing still. The day that lasted about two days. And as Joshua, uh, through the Lord, commands the sun and the moon to stand still. So there's some pretty cool things that happen in Joshua. And then the Lord sends hail. And it says that the hail killed more people than the children of Israel did. And the Lord is fighting for the uh, Israelites. And then chapters 11, the campaign in the north. The conclusion of Joshua's leadership as a warrior, as a leading the armies. And then Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 12, the conquered kings are listed there. And then chapters 13 through 22, the land is divided. Uh, they divide the land and give it as an inheritance. And Joshua uh, 13, uh, the command of Joshua is terminated and the, the confirmation of the land to the two and a half tribes. There is still more land to be possessed by the people here. And they, they list that out. And then Caleb is an old man in chapter 14. He takes on he, uh, Hebron. And he asks if he can take this land as his inheritance. And he do- goes and conquers it. It's pretty cool. Old man um, fighting. Um, the consignment of the land of the tribes of Israel in uh, 15 through 19. So they split up the land for all of the tribes besides Levi, because in chapter 21, oh, I forgot the, oh, they did, sweet. And in chapter 21, uh, they have cities for the Levites as they are leading the worship of the people. Uh, but chapter 20, they designate the cities of refuge for the people. And then in chapter 22, the command uh, of the two and a half tribes to return home and construct an altar as a witness. And then chapter 23 and 24, um, the last message of Joshua. He calls the leaders of Israel uh, for courage and certainty. He says, do not turn to the right or to the left, but to follow God. He's giving them the last push. And, and I would love to read Joshua 23, 14 for us this morning. Um, as he's departing, he reminds Israel what God has done. He says, and now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, uh, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. What a testimony. That they looked back at the words of God, had spoken. He said that all of them have come to pass. The Lord is faithful concerning what he said he would do. And then chapter 4, the call to all the tribes uh, for consecration and consideration of the covenant with God. And then the death of Joshua. 
They renew the covenant. And this is where Joshua says in verse 15, choose you, you, choose you this day whom you will serve. As he's about to die and he's not, not going to be able to um, uh, have the authority over their life, he says, choose you this day and continue to follow Yahweh. And it said that as long as the elders were alive, that Joshua was over, they followed the Lord. And they did choose that day who they would serve. Wow, so we made it. We did it. Way to go. Thanks for hanging with me there. That's the whole book of Joshua in a nutshell. But then I would love to look back again at the person of Joshua and then show us how Jesus is better, how Jesus is the par excellence uh, Joshua, uh, if that's the right way to use that term. Um, but I would like to, for us to point out in Hebrews 4.8, I don't know if you're tracking with me right now or not, or just writing these down. This isn't just something we came up with, like, oh, okay, his name is Jesus. It's kind of like Joshua, and like figuring this out. But God's word uh, points to Joshua and points to how Jesus is a better Joshua in Hebrews 4.8. As we just went through Hebrews last year as a church, I don't know if you remember this, but Hebrews 4.8 says, For Joshua had given them rest. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did for, from his. So he said if Joshua would have brought all the rest, we wouldn't need Jesus. But Joshua did bring the people into a sort of rest, into the land that he promised them. But God, uh, through Jesus, is bringing us to a way better rest, salvation from our sins, that we may dwell with God forever uh, one day because of Jesus. So I'd love to go throughout and point out different themes in Joshua's life and show how Jesus uh, is better. And I'm not sure if I'll make it through all this today, but I'm going to try. Oh, that's the laser. Uh, so Jesus and Joshua, six uh, simple ways that Jesus is better. But Let's go through it. Yeah. So number one, the leader who follows the Lord's law. As we see, Joshua is faithful to follow the Lord's law. As in verse chapter one, the Lord called him and said in chapter one, verse seven and eight, said, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left, that you may, be, you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. And we see the great success Joshua had. And he was one that followed after the law, imperfectly, as he was human, but he still followed after the law, and the Lord blessed him for that. And we see that Jesus is holy when he came to earth. Um, he was holy before that, but he's holy. He was a holy incarnate um, person of um, the Trinity that came to earth, and he kept the law perfectly. And I love that there's a detail uh, given an account of when he was tested in the wilderness, that his holiness was tested by uh, when Satan was tempting him, and he used God's word to defend, but he used Deuteronomy. He said, um, as Jesus was being tempted, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, so Jesus was tested and proved blameless and is the better Joshua in that he was actually holy and kept the whole law. Number two, he was the deliverer who rescues sinners. So we see in Joshua that there were some that were outside of the people that they actually rescued. You see Rahab. Joshua could have easily overlooked that um, promise that was simply made by uh, the two spies, but he kept that promise, and he brought Rahab into the children of Israel, and she got to uh, enjoy the blessing of the people. And we see that Rahab is actually in the, um, the lineage of Jesus. Jesus came from the line uh, that Rahab um, was in, and we see that also the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites, uh, they made peace with them. Even though that they were kind of tricked into it, they saved the Gibeonites, and they defended them and brought them in, and they also got to receive uh, the blessing of the people. 
but both of those people did not deserve that, right? Like there was no merit that they deserved for that. But that points to Jesus who even better, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us, as Romans 5, 8 says. None of us were worthy of uh, being saved. And like Rahab kind of, like she, she saved some of them and like the Gibeonites definitely didn't. They, didn't. they just tricked their way into it. But none of us, we were opposing Christ. We were enemies of God. We were still sinners, enemies of the cross, but he died for us, making our way uh, to uh, him, to salvation, and gifting us with his righteousness. Then number three, the warrior who conquers his enemies. God promised Joshua in Joshua 1.5 that no one would be able to stand against them. And this was proven through the conquest. So he was a warrior from the very beginning. And I could list out all uh, the people that uh, they conquered, but that would um, take a little bit of time. And there was a lot. And I encourage you to go read through it. Um, so and these are a lot of battles. And what Joshua is known for, of being a warrior, there is Christological significance in this. First John 3, 8 says, Whoever makes practices of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason uh, the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And we see in 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrection is a triumphal moment. Uh, and as we say, and it says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Jesus has won our victory, and he is the better warrior who conquers his enemies. And number four up there, it says, the prophet who speaks the Lord's words. So the Lord spoke through Joshua so many times. And there are some, some aspects of prophecy that Joshua had when he said that whoever rebuilt the, the walls of Jericho and lived in that land, like cursed would be uh, that person. And we see that come to pass in 1 Kings 16.34. Uh, and then we see the epic part of in Joshua 10, when he tells the sun and moon to stand still, and they do, another uh, word of prophecy. But we see that Jesus is the better prophet. As he came and foretold many things, as he came and told us of the gospel and the kingdom that would once, um, that was drawing near, and his message is the be better message, and he's the better prophet. And then number five. The victor who shares in the inheritance with his people. And we see the latter part of Joshua that they divide the land. Joshua didn't set himself as a dictator saying, this is my land, this is like, y'all are just my people. Like, no, he shared the land and the governance of the people um, and distri distributed like the Lord told him to. But we see Jesus who has conquered our victory makes believers co-heirs with himself. He traded our sin uh, for, with his righteousness that we are able to experience the blessings of salvation that he has won. Um, I would just love to list some of those blessings for us this morning. As, and I pray that this just gives us a heart of thankfulness to Jesus. Uh, he brings his people into a great inheritance. We have forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, the Father, imputation of Christ's righteousness in us, the indwelling Holy Spirit. We've been adopted as God's children and becoming heirs of the covenantal promises, um, some of the covenantal promises uh, to Israel. So this is just some of the inheritance we are given as we are co-heirs with Christ. And that's a lot better than just um, a plot of land that Joshua gave uh, the children of Israel. But number six, the servant who faithfully enacts the Lord's will. And we see at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua 24, 29, pretty well, uh, pretty a good way to go out for Joshua. His title that was given to him was a servant of the Lord. And he did everything the Lord commanded, to, commanded of him. And then, like I said before, Joshua 24, 31 says, And the Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Wow, what a way to go out. Um, but we see in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is portrayed as the servant Messiah. And he said, For the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he truly is the better servant. So we made it through all six of those. And I hope your heart is just just filled with joy for for seeing how beautiful Jesus is and how the gospel of Jesus is better and how all of scripture has continuity together and it um, assures of uh, the trueness and how it's all one central message. But as we jump in to the central theme of Joshua that I would love for us to discover together this morning. Ooh, yeah. Um, I would love for us to see how Jesus is the center. Sorry, Seth. I don't know what I did. Oh, Seth's not back there. There we go. Sweet. I would love for us to see just how God is the center of Joshua through this one story and how God is the most important. It's not, the book is not about the children of Israel conquering and having all their willpower to deliver themselves into the land, but how God is the center of um, Joshua. Um, it's, we see that God is the center of redemption history. God has, um, God was, and God is the beginning and end, the, the initiator, the closer, the divine warrior, the divine peacemaker. And God called Joshua to lead Israel. God brought Israel across the Jordan, and God br- fought for Israel more than he allowed Israel to fight for itself. But I love this story, Joshua 5, 13, if you want to turn there, and just how this, as they start the conquest, this is just the right foot for them to start on and for them to have their priorities straight as Joshua is faced with the commander of the Lord's army. Let me read that for us this morning. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Man, that's an epic story. And I love Joshua's reaction to the commander of the Lord's army. But I even love even more how um, the commander of the Lord's army uh, answers Joshua's question. He asks, you, he asks him, are you for us or against us? Two, two options, for us or against us. And he says, no, neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army, which is transcendent above um, both of those um, answers. And I love um, what this one commentator said that I would love uh, to read for us this, this morning. He said, to put into biblical terms, we do not ask God to be on our side. Rather, we declare our commitment to God's side and make ourselves available to God's service wholeheartedly, without reservation. This is what Joshua did when he realized he stood before him. He fell on his face to the ground in reverence. This we too will do. If our commitment to God is as it should be, at its heart, this is what holiness, our sanctification, is all about. Man. I love that, and I want to explore, as we explored how Joshua, how God is the center through the book of Joshua, uh, I want to explore also how um, God is the center of our salvation and how God is the center of our sanctification. Um, One cool note in, in that passage that I failed to mention is that most likely could have been, uh, many think that it was a Christophany that that was Christ incarnate uh, before he, he came to earth um, uh, as Jesus. But just the reaction of Joshua, how he fell on his face, and that how he didn't keep him from worshiping him. Because Jesus deserves our worship. And how he told him to take his sandals off just like he did uh, with Moses. Uh, I just think that's really neat. And um, as 
they went into the land to, to focus Joshua's heart on, um, on Jesus, on, on God, as that was the one that was going to fight for them. Um, but realigning his allegiance to him. Uh, but God is the center of our salvation. God is the initiator. And reading Romans 1 about how depraved we were and how Ephesians 2 says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. There was nothing we could do to earn our way to God. Uh, we were dead. Uh, but just like um, God is the initiator uh, of the battle and with Joshua and with bringing them through the promised land, God initiated for us, or as God was the initiator with beforehand, he told to, to Abraham, I'll bring you to a land, and as he promised to Moses and brought to Joshua, God initiated way beforehand as we see redemption history. As we see in Ephesians 1, 4, says he chose us before the foundations of the world, that we be holy and blameless before him. So there's a long time of initiating and waiting for Jesus and for our salvation to come to be. Um, but we see just as Jesus was sent to earth to be our holy warrior, uh, to fight for the people of God, we see as Joshua goes through the land, they are defeating uh, the enemies, they are defeating death or sin and purifying the land. We see that Jesus, he becomes the victim of the holy war. He takes on our sin he is the one that is put to death besides us. He could have came to earth and wiped out us all, and that would have been totally um, just as we are deserving of our sins, but he was the victim of the holy war, and he was put to death so that we may come uh, and be saved from our sins. And one day he will come again, and he will uh, purify this earth and set up a kingdom, but first he was the first victim of the holy war. Which I just think is beautiful how he is the better Joshua again. But God is the center of our sanctification. The, early, the earthly army that Christ leads uh, introduces the other focus of the holy war. The engagement of Christians in a lifelong spiritual struggle, struggle against the powers of sin. So we're saved and that God is the initiator of that and God uh, is the holy victor of our salvation, but also he is the victor of our sanctification. As we uh, join with him in this uh, war against sin in our personal lives, we see that as 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 through 5 says, for we walk in the flesh, and we are not waging war according to the flesh. Uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not, a flesh, are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So this weapon, this war is not our own. It's not in flesh and blood, but we war against a sin. We see in Ephesians 6, as we talk about the weapons, the, the armor of God, that the weapons that the Father gives us to fight against our sin, these aren't our weapons. Like we didn't craft these. Uh, we, we weren't wielding our own sword, but we were given these to fight against sin. And God is at the center of our sanctification. It's not our willpower that keeps us from sin, but it is truly God that gives us the power to overcome. But just as the children of Israel had a, had a piece of them uh, fighting in the wilderness or in the promised land, as they had a a role in it, we also have a role in our own sanctification, right? Like, we have to put on the armor of God, right? Like, we have roles in this. We, we, we come to church to be a part of the body, to, uh, to iron sharpens iron, to be a part of this community and experience the blessings of this community. But it was God who gave the gift for us uh, to enjoy and the armor of God to put on. And we see that this war is raging, and there is things within us that we hope, we wish were not. We are still in the flesh, and there are fleshly desires that wage war against our soul. In 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, I love this verse, and just want to read this about, it shows how this war is raging within us. It, 
Uh, Peter says, verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct uh, among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. But he says, uh, the flesh which wages war against your soul. So there is an adversary that is actively fighting against us. There is things within us that are waging war that we must uh, abstain from as we, um, as we join God in this battle of our sanctification. We need to fight, and this is serious. Uh, I love the author John Bunyan. He wrote uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if you know that book or familiar, but he also wrote another book called uh, The Holy War. Uh, as I've used that terminology earlier to describe uh, Joshua uh, taken in the land. He wrote the book Holy War, and it's this whole allegory similar to the Pilgrim's Progress and how uh, there's a city called Mansoul. Um, you probably can know what that stands for. Um, and in, in Mansoul, there's different gates. There's the ear gate, the eye gate, the mouth gate, um, and all these different gates in there that they have to, to guard and to, um, yeah, to guard to keep from the evil one. And it's really fascinating in it, just the whole allegory. And I encourage you to read it if, you're, uh, if you like allegories. Uh, but the, the character that stands for the devil, um, the Ballas, deceives the city of Mansoul and prompts the fall of the city. And then Emmanuel, Jesus, uh, fights to reclaim the city and delivers the city from the Ballas, the devil. Um, and I think you can see the analogy in there. And after the great battle, Emmanuel speaks to the city and says, Nothing can hurt you except sin. Nothing can grieve me except sin. Nothing can defeat you except sin. Therefore, be on your guard, my man's soul. So God has fought the battle. He has delivered us from sin and from death. And he tells us to wage war against our sin. He gives us everything we need for, um, cry, uh, for godliness. He gives us everything. He gives us the armor of salvation. And uh, we need to fight this battle um, with God at the center of it. But, yeah, God is at the center of our sanctification. He allows us to be sanctified and calls us to that sanctification, to live and to work uh, through him to defeat sin. Wow, it's 1130. Thank you all. And I hope that you are blessed to see how Jesus is the better Joshua and how God is the center of our salvation and how God is the center of our sanctification. Um, yeah, I'd love to pray for us this morning uh, as we depart, as we think about all the things that Pastor Kent said this morning, as we continue to dwell on Joshua and those that are reading through the Bible as you continue to finish Joshua. I hope these thoughts are, can be a blessing as we continue uh, to read uh, through them. Uh, let me pray and go be with you. God, I thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you for the book of Joshua and how you give us the history of Israel. And Lord, how you speak to us through that history. And Lord, how Jesus came to earth to be a better Joshua and to save us from sin. And Lord, may we continue to fight the war of our sanctification. And Lord, would we do that with you at the center? God, we love you. I thank you for this community here that we can gather and discuss your word, and to encourage one another and to sharpen one another uh, in godliness. God, I pray as we leave that we would glorify you with our afternoons and that uh, you would uh, be honored uh, through our week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're dismissed.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you would like to get plugged into a small group, just text HB Converge to 81010 and you will get the text reminders for all the small groups. If you have any questions, just respond to one of those text reminders and it will go to our leadership team and they will be able to respond to you directly.